I'm Amy Shields. I'm Mark Frost. Hi, I'm Kimmy Robertson. So our Twin Peaks Unwrapped, the book, is currently out at bluerosemag.com. It is $19.99, so get your copy today as supplies are very limited and will be running out very soon. So if you haven't got your copy today, go to bluerosemag.com today. Thank you for your interest and for your enthusiasm and, and keeping Twin Peaks alive. I've got idea, man. You take me for a walk under the sycamore tree. The dark trees that blow, baby. In the dark trees that blow And And welcome to this week's edition of Twin Peaks Unwrapped. I'm your host, Brian Kozowski, and beside me is Ben Durant. Ben. Brian, it's been an awesome Twin Peaks weekend. It's been great. Yeah, Always, what a yes, lots of surprises. I'm quite happy. Fantastic episode. Yes, good old Twin Peaks: The Return Part Six. Its originally air date was June 11, 2017, and the name of it is "Don't Die." So many theories, so many things that go through my my head, your head, and the community at large is. Head. <laughs> head. And it's overwhelming almost. I, I get overwhelmed about how many things could this be, but it's so exciting. It's so exciting. And I feel like I need to even watch this a few more times because there's things like I, I feel like something is happening, something's going on. And if I could watch it a few more times, I'd even see more of what's yeah. going on. I totally agree. And my, um, this week we're actually recording a day early. So my second viewing, I haven't had one yet. But I am trying to watch the previously episode, the previous week's episode before the new episode, so I I get that refresher. So you get to watch it like three times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just think about Twin Peaks all week now. I, I know. mean, it's I'm not our thinking. Lives. Not it's thinking, always been our lives. Yeah, <laughs> but I'm not thinking. I'm not. I don't want to watch anything else. Uh, I, I just want to rewatch. I think Scott Ryan said when we, when he was on the show. I feel the same way that my life is kind of like there's so many other good television shows, but I'm always thinking I'd like to go back to Twin Peaks. I just want to rewatch this. Yeah, like at this point, um, I could start watching Fargo or start yeah, watching. I still haven't watched Fargo. I'm gonna wait till September. Uh, I'm, I'm not gonna dive into anything. <laughs> I'm one. I'm, I'm one episode behind. I have one episode left of the leftovers, uh-huh. and then maybe I'll jump into Fargo. Yeah, I might do that. But you know, all I think about is Twin Peaks. That's so, our lives. Yeah. So this uh, it starts off basically where the credits ended with Dougie uh, hanging out around the statue, looking at the shoes. <laughs> yeah. And you know, last week I mentioned about Jeffries and the firewalk with me and everything. But we talked more and a lot of, you know, a lot of theories. And I think I kind of go towards that direction of he's just remembering being an agent. But he's looking at the shoes, which is interesting uh, because he lost going. his yes, shoes. that's right. And 
that is a very interesting little reference to the Wizard of Oz, the ruby red shoes. There's no place at home if he could just tap his shoes together, maybe he'd get home. <laughs> well, he's not in his own shoes right now. He's mm. in someone else's shoes. Ah, I like this. This is deep. Yeah, and you know, when you put on your shoes, no matter if you're in a hotel, you're at a friend's house, you put your shoes on, that's a bit of home. Mm. And I feel like he's looking at those shoes... And he wants it, his own shoes. He wants his own shoes. Yes. And he's he's Dorothy and he's in Wizard of Oz right now and he needs to get back home. Mm. So and, and there's music, uh Johnny's Jewels uh Windswept is playing underneath there. And it kind of is throughout the whole episode this music is played. I mean it happens later on when he's in his office with his boss and it yeah. throughout the whole and it's I love the music. It sounds great. You can get it off of it's on iTunes and Spotify. Yeah, and I was it, listening to that. It's an amazing um album yeah. it's really good and it just came it just came out this year or this album like it came out a couple weeks right before yeah, the yeah, season yeah. started yep they, they the, the police are, uh, bring uh, Dougie Cooper home and it's so funny his wife is the one that dropped him off and she forgets to pick him up she forgets he, he doesn't have his car and he got two rides from Jade <laughs> which still cracks me up every time he says it I two know, rides two rides <laughs> Yeah, she she forgot, and then she had to go. She had to get him. Well, the cop was like, you know, you can't be out here. And he and the guy's like, are you drunk? Are you on drugs? And he points at his badge, right? And he's like, don't touch that. But you can tell this almost like childlike. Yes. Oh, that was me once. Yeah, yeah. I had a badge. Right. It's still going to the statue, being the lawman, and he's still referring to that he is a man of the law. Yeah. And right, even when they bring him home, he's still trying to play with that. That badge. And it's funny because his wife almost says he likes, and I almost felt like I wanted to finish her sentence, he likes shiny things or yes. something. Like, I felt like that's what she was going to say. Yep. He's like a little child and he likes shiny, shiny things. things. And it's interesting, later on, I think when uh, when Cooper is in his son's uh, bedroom, I think they're cowboy uh, curtains. I think there's some cow- cowboy themes going on in his bedroom. Yes, yeah, yep. So, you know, Dougie Cooper there is back in his house and they're hanging out, and they get an envelope, which I think the police, when they drop them off, they give them the envelope, which I think is Jade and him. And it's it's the people who, uh, I guess... Going into the house together. He's yes. being blackmailed. Right, yeah. he's being blackmailed. He owes 50000 Well, I, he really owes 20000 Yes. Or he, whatever. He, he lost 20000 and the interest rate has gone up. <laughs> to fifty. Yes. And I mean... Like and now fifty two, fifty two, <laughs> and I like how you know uh, Janie takes care. T- you know she really sticks it to him. She gets things done. She Man. doesn't mess around. You know, at first we weren't. N- nobody really knew where we were gonna go with this character. Mm. But man, she's she is not gonna be messed around with. Right. Which is scary. You know she's. You know she sees the whole Jade thing, and Cooper says or Dougie says. Jade and smiles. We, <laughs> two rides. Two rides. And it reminds me of New Shoes, sort of. This yeah, whole. It really does. Leo. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I can see that. Yeah. New Shoes. <laughs> two rides. New Shoes. Oh, man. But she doesn't get that mad about this. I mean, I think she just. She's a, she's a problem solver. Like, her job is she's always trying to take care of the house, yeah. and she just. How can we fix this, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. And that, part of me, for me, it's. It really. Put some weight behind that. She's just there to take care of Dougie. And was she, is she hired to do this? Does someone yeah. ask her to now, do this? I don't this? agree with that, but I can, no. I like your theory that she yeah. might be in there. To, yeah. 
there's something there's something more to it. Right. And I also feel like her taking care of these blackmail of uh, these these bookkeepers mm. that are blackmailing them. I kind of feel like this is her way of like I I got enough crap going on. I got to watch this guy get off our backs. And then she gives it to him. I like how she just gives him 25 and Well, I feel like this is this feels to me very Mark Frost. Like she's talking about I'm part of the 99 percent. 99 percent. Right. That like he's like, wow, how can you treat people this way? How can mm-hmm. you like? And I thought it was an excellent speech, and I thought Naomi Watts was amazing, and oh, it was yeah. so so good. Yeah. And I I could totally hear Mark Frost writing this. It's like really this is our society. We're talking about like you know the one percent owns what is it like I forgot what percentage, but it's a high percentage. Let's say eighty percent of the wealth. Yeah. Or it's even higher probably than that, but let's say it's eighty percent of the wealth. And it's like we live in this country where like these rich people don't care about us and they don't take care of us and how could you treat us so badly and I feel like she was kind of like standing up for all of us like we have we have crappy cars and we're just trying to take care of the family and we're yeah. just trying to get by and how dare you do this how dare you treat us this way and I thought it's like yeah yeah and they're asking more of what a bank would give you an interest yeah that's right that whole yeah. thing about like a bank wouldn't even really give 1% yeah and like I think giving you 25% is more than fair and I'll leave yeah. us alone <laughs> yep and I love how they're just kind of like wow okay like I forgot they, how they put it but yeah it's like that's she's a like, tough dame tough dame broad yeah dame, right? but that. like basically like okay that's the end of that story that that side story is yes. pretty much no, over. So here's the thing: is so I do I think, think I, yes, but you know how there was these two cars. So I still think there was two storylines going on. I think there was a hit. There was people that are out to get yes. Doggy, and I still think it's related to Mr. C. Me too. And then there was these people that he owed money to. So I do feel like, and I don't know if when you saw these two cars, if the if that was it, or if it was the, that was just another car that was hijacking. I think the they car. were going to steal the car. So that scene when the car blows up and. Uh, part five. I did when I was rewatching it. I noticed they're in a um a a, built, a uh, area where a lot of the house, all the houses are on the market. Yeah, they're boarded so, up. Yeah, and I did was like, I'm gonna look for cars and people. Now there are cars and driveways, but a lot of these buildings. I, I think this area is a big foreclosure area, mm. and I think a lot of people lost their homes, and that woman who's across the street might be a squatter, because there's no furniture beyond a table and a chair and a couch. I feel like she's squatting, or she's just put there. Mm. I don't believe it could be her home, because it's also interesting, when the cops show up in this part, they find Dougie Love's license plate on the roof yeah. of that house. But they don't knock on the door right. to ask if they've seen anything. Yeah. I feel they don't think anybody even lives there. It's funny. It's almost like a reference to part one where uh, they wanted to see about the knock on the neighbor's door. And, and this time they don't even care to they knock mean, on the yeah, door. It's like, kind of like ignore. But it's, and then I really feel like it was the exact same uh, 119. Like it was almost the exact same take. That Me was, too. Yeah. It wasn't like it was... Yeah, it wasn't like it was a different version of it. It was like yeah. the exact same version of 119. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I thought the same thing. Like, I'm having deja vu. Did we just see this? Because mm. I, I want to go back and rewatch that episode because I wonder if you hear that. Because you actually hear that someone's walking on the roof. You hear like a muffly noise. Ah, all right. Note to self. We have to check that out. Because that would be interesting if we saw that scene right. first and now we're seeing it again. Maybe. Weird, huh? It's an echo. Or, uh, yeah, I don't know. But 
yeah, they if they would knock on that door, that little boy would answer, and they would see the the woman. Mm. And I, that's why I feel like they're squatting, and everything's boarded up. And I just feel like it's a complex where a bunch of people lost money. They uh, foreclosed homes, and nobody mm. lives there anymore. Maybe they all invested in this estate, this this uh, this housing area, and it didn't bring belly a, up. Belly up, yeah. yeah. So Dougie goes and sees his son, which I thought was a fun comical little piece. Yeah, and, yeah. And she, he did say daddy. He, he did, did say, say dad. dad. No, because yeah, so that, that was nice. Yeah, he finally yeah. talks. Yep. The, the kid, and you know, um, Kyle McLaughlin or Dougie Cooper is eating chips, and. Kyle McLaughlin actually did a Ruffles potato chip commercial back in the day. I saw day. you posted I that. I did post that, yes. That, that was funny. Awesome. So it made me think of that. It's like, ah, potato <laughs> chips. So check out that uh, ad. It's on YouTube, right? You posted it on Twitter. Yeah. So definitely check that out. But, yeah. and, and, like, he's he's not Agent Cooper, but he definitely comes off a little bit like Agent Cooper there. Like, he's, he says things about peaks and uh, – I don't know, darn good crisps or something like that. So there's definitely wording that's very Cooper-ish. Yes, Cooper-ish. Yes. Yeah. So like, we we get these case files that uh, he's in. He's in the Cooper. Dougie's in the house, and uh, the, he. I, I remember thinking to myself, how is he going to do these case files? Like he's not even like coherent. He's kind of out of it, and his boss gives him these case files, and. There's light that is on, on these case files that seems to either either a it's helping him figure out what he has to do or his mind is actually trying to actually put it together. I'm not. I feel like it's the black or, or not the black. Yeah, I feel the, like yeah. You're 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 right on. Like okay, so we saw him call out a liar. We saw him. This is last week, right? Yeah, we figure out how so, he can win. Uh, yeah. The lucky seven. But, I mean, and the real uh, Cooper was very good at deductive. I mean, like, he was good at figuring things out. His intuition out, was, was strong. Yeah. He but, was a strong sender. Strong sender. sender. <laughs> so we have uh, uh, one-hour man who's trying to say, hey, he, it's funny, every episode title is a quote from the episode. So it's the whole idea, don't die, mm. wake up. And I'm excited because I think all the audience were like, we want <laughs> Cooper to wake up. Yeah. So he's saying, you got to wake up or you're going to die. Yeah. And then we get this whole light. Uh, that is helping him draw the case files. Yeah, he saw stairs and a ladder. Yeah. So it makes me feel like he, it, this is saying that some of these people are getting insurance fraud. Mm. Like someone jumped off something. Like they went up a ladder or they fell down stairs or or they're lying. Or yeah, I, I don't, I, I, I I'm don't, just trying to I make heads or tails about anything. I don't understand Cooper's scribbles. And the, yeah. at first his boss doesn't understand his but scribbles he either. It. But he, he eventually sees he's circling St. Clair, which is the guy who rep- is the agent is the uh, mm-hmm. yeah, insurance yes. agent that's being called a liar. Yeah. And so he's circling that, and he's circling other things, and his boss does put it together and says, hey, yeah, keep this to yourself. But it's, but to me, so here's what I'm really thinking about this. To me, this is Mark Frost and David Lynch saying, hey, I know there's a lot of things going on in this series, <laughs> yeah. and it looks like nothing, and it looks like a mess, but eventually it's all going to come together, and it's all going to, it's all going to make sense. And I feel like that's kind of the representation. That's the case files. That mm. Eventually, this is, and I, I think we are seeing it. We're getting more Twin Peaks, the town, and we're kind of getting. Yeah, I, I, your theory, each episode, we're getting more and more of the Twin Peaks. In this episode, I felt like it was the fan. It was giving us what we wanted. Um the payoff has been good on this one when mm. it comes to like bringing back those memories of Firewalk with Me and the yeah. original series. Yeah, and so yeah, so 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 I 
I still want I, I want Cooper sooner, but my theory still or my feeling still is going to be we're going to have to wait two more episodes before we get Cooper back. Yeah, and that will be bring us to the halfway point of the series. And guess what? We're going to be there's going to be a week break. Like like right right before Fourth of July, they're taking a week off. Yeah. And my theory is we see the new Cooper returns right before then. We get that week off, and then the last half of the series is going to be Cooper back into solving mysteries and stuff. You know what? I have a weird thing. I have a weird theory. Oh boy! My don't weird... say that it's going to be Dougie from the whole series. Please don't say that. <laughs> I don't know. I, I want to think you're right. Like, a part of me is like, that sounds great. But the way how, sl- you know, slow paces is moving, I almost feel like we're not going to get Cooper back until maybe the last couple episodes. No way. <laughs> <laughs> don't even say it. I, I think don't know. Kyle McLaughlin is doing a fabulous job. He does that so whole... Why? I mean, there's a scene where he's going into the uh, back into his office and the elevator's closing in on him. And I thought that was hilarious yeah. where he kind of like goes in. And he almost seems to be getting... The character seems to be enjoying the fact that the elevator almost closes in on him. He, yeah, he <laughs> is playing. He That was hit me realizing he's having fun here. He yes. knows something he's... He knows he's he, a child. He's like a kid. Yeah. The funny thing is, that's what I always loved about the real, the real Cooper, Dale Cooper, is that they were, he was a little bit childish, like. Yeah. He he was really clever and good at his job, but at the same time, he enjoyed it, and the little things in life made him happy, like ducks on the lake, or you know, just or making the elevator doors <laughs> open and close, and then close on him, which but, was really funny. It was funny. Yeah. But I swear, there's too much. There, I feel like we've seen it with 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 one of our man saying, "You got to wake up." I think we're at a point now where we're very, very, very close to him waking up. I really do. And well, I think, can we break? Can we break that down? Okay. Yeah. Go well, for it. Well, like when he says, "Don't die." Um. Okay. Later on, we 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 learn about Ike the Spike. Um. And a I'm thinking, actor that, yeah, yeah, and I'm thinking, well, Ike, he's a hitman. He he he's he's killed uh, Lorraine, and he. And Lorraine was the one who was given the message, and and, yeah. and maybe I bring it up now. I was saying urgent, and a lot of people have said it was not urgent. urgent. I thought it was urgent too. <laughs> urgent is with a U, not an A, and so maybe it was urgent, urgent, and like Argentina possibly. Thank you, everybody. There was a lot of people that gave feedback yeah. about that. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. But right, so she is get killed. Off, she gets killed off by the hitman by the Ike hitman. and. Dougie is the other person. Now I'm here. Here at first, when the one-armed man uh, says "Don't die," I'm like, "Oh boy!" So Dougie's in trouble. Something's gonna happen. And then I see this hitman, and Dougie is one of the people that he needs to kill because I, I think Lorraine isn't doing the job. So someone else got hired, saying, yeah. "Listen, if Lorraine can't do it, right? She knows too much." She needs to go. Right. Dougie still needs to go. Yep. And this guy was brutal. But what if the don't die? Here, I I, I struggle with this because we always talk about the dreams and he was manufactured. And, I mean, all these years, what if this is all, what if this is all in Dougie's head? Um, What if, what if Dougie, what if Cooper, or maybe what if Dougie's in a coma and Cooper's in his body but that makes no sense to me. But 
Sometimes we overthink it. Yeah, you overthink it. But don't die. It's scary because it's like, don't die. You know, it's like, but Dougie doesn't know there's like the spike coming after. Well, to me, it's like the fate of the world is like, if you die, then uh, Mr. C, Bob wins. I mean, they get to stay forever maybe in the real world. And so that's what what we're up against. We're up against, yeah. We're up against Ike the Spike now. (laughs) Want to talk about Albert's storyline? Yeah, Probably you know one of the highlights of the of the episode. Yeah, we got I got a lot of feelings about this. Yes. Well, well, like, well, 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 shortly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It starts off with Albert in the car, and it's raining, and he's talking to Cole, and Cole seems to be having a good old time. He's drinking and just like you know, yeah. this is very important. Now I'm going to have my drink, yeah. <laughs> and then. And then the, he gets out of the car, and you actually told me, I didn't realize who said this at first, but it says, fuck you, Gene Kelly, motherfucker. Yeah. And that was Albert. I it's just, Albert. I yeah, don't know yeah. why. I, first, I was like, is there some random guy yelling out in the street? No, because he's stepped in a puddle, and it's puddle. pouring rain. Right. And of course, it's singing in the rain. It's a yeah. musical. And like, I'm aware of at least two musicals in this references in this episode, and we'll get to the other one. But singing in the rain, I feel like there's got to be three. Like, I don't know. To me, you do things in threes. But mm. I, I'm aware of two musicals, and this is the first of the musicals, Singing in the Rain with Gene Kelly. Yeah. I thought it was a great reference. And, I, you know, I've never seen the movie. I don't think I've ever seen Singing in the Rain. But I do believe one of the acts is called Fuck Gene Kelly, You Motherfucker. I think that was one of the that, biggest. Oh, that acts. was in the musical. That was. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> that was one of the uh, closing acts. I don't think so. I know uh, it wasn't, um, but it was an awesome. It was hilarious when he said that. Yes, and then he gets into this bar, and we, and we know where he's going to see. He's going to see uh, the person who can uh, identify if that's the real Cooper or not, Mister C. There. Yeah, he was in the Max Vaughn bar. And do you know have any information about that? No, I just know it's the Max Vaughn bar. All right, I feel like. I feel like this has something to do with, uh, I don't know, it's a reference of another film and I'm drawing a blank right now. Oh, that's fine. Maybe next week we can bring it up. Or someone could email us at twinpeaksandwrap.gmail.com. Now, meeting with, we had two theories. At first it was like, oh, could it be Audrey? It makes no sense. Audrey's going to get the key, I think. I always had one theory. (laughs) Diane. Diane. Not only Diane, but Diane Evans. Diane Evans. First time we've ever got her last name that I'm aware of. Oh, really? Yeah. It, never okay. was, it wasn't in the Cooper book. It was never mentioned in the series or, I believe, in the movies. So That's this, awesome. Yeah. And and who plays Diane? Everybody knew Laura Dern. Yeah, I think we've been calling it forever. I think that's what the yes. fans wanted. It makes to me perfect sense because I think Kyle and Laura have such perfect chemistry. Even though I know they just did Blue Velvet, but there's something about their performance. They're just but amazing together. We don't even know if they're going to be on the same screen together. Well, I gotta guess at least Mr. C- Mr. C and uh, Diane will get to at least interact. Maybe I'd rather see Cooper and Diane. I interact. would too, but you know, I'll get what I get. Yeah. Um, the blonde hair threw me off. I'm like, who is this gonna be? And Laura Dern as Diane was. It was awesome though. Do you think it's gonna be a? Wi- I mean, is that her real hair, or is she in like some kind of disguise? Or you were talking about this? Um, she's a businesswoman, and maybe. Um, oh, she works for the FBI, or yeah, she did so, work for the FBI. Yeah, so you know, afterwards, that 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 blonde uh, hair could could definitely be a wig. It could be like, I don't want people to know who I am out in the real world, because my job is dangerous. I know a lot of information, um, and if someone would ever figure out who I am and what I know, 
I could be gone. So maybe she does dress up and go out and pretend to be someone else. Yeah, we'll have to see. Yeah. But I was very excited. That was, I mean, something, it's funny. I think if you asked me 25 years ago, I'd never want to have seen Diane. And, but, I know. I still am on like, the fence about it. I mean, now, does this ruin your theory that he just talks to himself? Yeah, it does. It still doesn't explain how he got those earbuds so quickly. They didn't have Amazon Prime back then. And to mail it from what? uh, Philadelphia to uh, Seattle? Right. To Washington? Uh, Television. Pretty quick. The the magical television. (laughs) television But, um, no, you know, as much as I didn't want to see Diane, and it happened, and I will... I'm just going to allow, this is it. I'm going to see Diane. This is great. I can't say I'm mad about this, but I do like that little mystery of having, not knowing what she looked like, but it's fine. It's cool. I think, I think it, 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 it made it awesome, but I wanted more. It, that oh, that's what, this, that's what this show does. They give you little taste buds and taste taste of it, and then you have to tune in maybe two weeks from now. Two weeks, knows? three, yeah, three. To, to, yeah. So it was Joel Bacco, I think, that mentioned on Twitter that uh, in Sunset Boulevard film, which is, uh, which is uh, David Lynch, one of David Lynch's f- favorite films, there is a character that goes by Max Vaughn. Oh. Mayerling, Mayerling. So I mean, I, we, probably that that's where it. the bar came from. From. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Max von Barr. Do you want to talk about the Richard Horn storyline? Yes, Richard Horn meeting this slightly new character, Red. We once saw Red in episode one. Yes. Or part one. Right, when he was at the bar. Giving Shelly the old fingers. Right. What you I know, love is finger that he, guns. he actually gives the fingers again to Richard yep. and stuff like that. But it, this is not playful. This is kind of scary. Like, do you want to mess with this guy? Yeah, he is um, pretty weird guy. Creepy. You know, he looked like Charlie Sheen. <laughs> I thought he was like, he's like, he, he he's what Charlie Sheen thinks he looks like. He's winning. He's winning. He's got the dragon blood in him uh, or whatever. Um, but yeah, Red is an interesting guy. And so he's this person who's using twin peaks upon all drugs yes he's the big the big guy he's the drug guy yes because it's it, it's a it's a it's a, a small town as uh richard horn said you know the sheriff is like 90 years old right. nobody knows what's going on you right. can get away with a lot here it's funny because we see that sheriff station has like they're, they're, they're they have a lot of great equipment and they have a lot of people and you think that they're they're you know know what's they're going still on a small town though yeah they still are yeah, yeah i mean they're not they're worried about other things right. like leaky pipes, you know. So. Yeah, it's fun. Interesting that like Red knows what's going on, and I think Richard was shocked. He's like, "Oh, you know about that place?" And he's like, "I've been here for a few weeks, and I've been checking out the area." He's scoping it out. He's scoping it out, and um, yeah. And so I thought about this. It's like I bet you Shelly and Red have never really met. No, I bet it's one of those things where like, hey, Red hangs out in the, in the bar, and Shelly sees him, and they kind of wink and flirt a little bit. But I don't think they're together. Or no, I don't. Oh, sorry. I don't. I don't think they're together either. But I almost feel like maybe he could definitely um, pretend to be the sweet, nice guy. Yes. And fool her. It's like Shelley's perfect guy. I mean, I know. The, guy, the guy that she always picks is the guy that, you know, the, the red jerk. Cor- Corvette and seems like a great guy, and then realizes he yeah he's a jerk. Yeah, and I mean he could pull off. I believe this whole charming act. Yeah. So 
Yeah, oh, there's so much going on here. At one point, he says, the king and I. What do you think that's all about? He says, he says, I don't know if he says, you, I like it, but like, the king and I. <laughs> yeah. That's a musical. Do you know anything about anything more? How does no. it relate to Twin Peaks in the past? I don't know. You tell me. We're going back Twin Peaks old school. All right. Here we go. Getting to know you, and that seems to be what Red is saying. Red is saying, uh, you know, I don't really know you, but I'm gonna get to know you. Like he seems like somebody mm. who he kind of feels out the area, and he really wants to know it. But I thought it was interesting that, like, wow. just the term, uh, the king and I. It's like, what is he talking about, the king and I? And then, I, and so I, I think I was looking up the king and I, and then I realized, oh, the, the song "Getting to Know You" is what Leland sang. And wow, then, man, wait, see, this is what I love about the Return of Twin Peaks. It's all these subtle. Hint, these subtle nods and winks to the original series yes. and Firewalk with me. Some are blatant. Some are that. That is just so. And to small. me, if, if Mark Frost and David Lynch did not rewatch the series, they have BS. a great memory. I think it is maybe BS because I feel like yes, that is, to me is is a reference to the original series. That is like. I really do think that, like... They must have watched key episodes, or they had the scripts. Maybe they had the scripts. Maybe that's... They maybe, don't have... Maybe, maybe that, right. Maybe yeah. that's how they got around this. Like, we didn't watch it, but we did have the scripts to rewatch. I mean, Ben, you know as well as I, on a computer, you can search a word, find yes. it on a script. They could easily have looked over the scripts and said, okay. Right. Yeah, it's great. But I thought that was a great nod. It was such that's a cool good. nod. Good find, Ben. Yeah. Did anybody... Did, did you find that? Anybody? I found this on my own. I have not seen anybody else on social media come up with this. I maybe it's out there, but I It's so I, hard. I haven't I haven't listened to the pod, like I I think we talked about this. I've been staying away from Twin Peaks podcast until after we recorded. Me too. So I had I don't know if anybody on other shows yeah. have mentioned this, but it's such an obscure thing because you say the king and I and it's like what is he talking about the king and I? Yeah, and I he says I like it and it's like what does that mean? mean? And then and then just to remember, oh Getting to know you is from that, and that definitely seems to be a reference from the original series. And then he does say, at some point, he says, "We don't know each other, Richard, yet, but I'm going to get to know you. you." And it's like, so he is mentioning getting to know you. Getting to I know that, you. That's yeah. awesome. That's a, that's cool. an awesome. So point. Yeah, he is he is one scary guy though. Like he yeah. is like he's waving. He's like doing some. That, he's doing food. the Charlie Sheen uh, <laughs> waves and kicks and punches, and then um. The coin. What do you think about the coin uh, magic trick? Well, some people are referring it to the uh, the grandson and magic tricks. I don't. It's, me I too. Find it's a but stretch for me. I don't know what to. I mean, it's a magic cream trick, corn didn't but, show up in his hands. Yeah. So, to, but that coin was floating up there forever. Because at first, like, is it slow motion? And now he's looking up there, and then all of a sudden, it's like in his mouth. But there's two of them. There's one in his mouth, and then he has one in his hand. I but believe. it disappears. Yes, right. Yeah, so it was one. I, I'll tell you what I really thought happened. Yeah. When he pulls it out of his mouth, I thought 
this is what I thought as it was happening that there was going to be blood on the coin, ah. and it went straight through his head. Where do you think? What are you thinking this stuff? Was? I thought the coin. Oh my god! Flew in the air and just went right through his skull. Oh come on! And killed oh, him. Man. And I thought I'm like, are That's they gonna kill Richard? <laughs> oh wait! No, he's too much of a badass. We need Richard. You know, Richard is a a whiny. You know what? I'm gonna say he's a little whiny bitch. Oh my oh. god! Brian went there. I, no, he is. You he's, know, he's a jerk though. He was like He came off as this suave in the beginning. Then he was such an asshole to those girls. Yes. And and, and now Red Red is the badass. I think Red is the is the ultimate badass in Twin Peaks right now. I think Richard's a pawn in his little scheme. And I think Richard's he he's a he's a uh, is Richard like Bobby and then like Red is like Leo or something like that or yeah. that something Red like seems that. calm and cool and collect but he really pushed uh, Richard's buttons calling him kid mm. and really talking down to him right. and that's what gets him into the truck and start driving like an asshole because he's trying he he I feel like he, he has something to head. prove he got into his head yeah and with. The whole girl thing, he I think he has a lot of issues and he wants to prove something and he doesn't know how to, so he acts out. Mm. And then when he treats those girls like like crap, he he just comes off as a jerk. And he now is a jerk. now Red is like, You're a kid, you're immature, you don't know what you're doing. And he's like, right. Oh, I'll show you. He's just a why I think he's just a pawn. I, I think Richard's just a punk. Yes. You know, he's just like a punk kid. He doesn't really know what he's doing. <laughs> Clearly, true. He gets himself in some trouble. Yes, and so we get to see Carl Rode, good old uh, the the guy who runs the Fat Trout Trailer Park. The new. That's right. The new. The new. That sign doesn't just say the park; it also says the word new. new. And so I think he moved away from Deer Meadows and moved into Twin Peaks. Yes. Where, if you look at the secret history, of Twin Peaks is where he's from. So he's originally from Twin Peaks, and he decided to move back. Yeah, and you know, we honestly, he's getting a ride into town, so you can still be in the outskirts somewhere. Yeah, I was thinking about like you know, we yeah. both of us where we live. There, I don't know what you call this, but it's like there's other. Towns like I live near Northampton, and there's a Florence. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. Florence is kind of considered part of Northampton. But yes, exactly. This is what I was thinking because I live in Enfield, Connecticut, and Enfield is a town, but there's subsets. Yes, you have Shaker Pines, Green Manor, right? Um, Thompson- Bro- Broadbrook, um, Thompsonville. Yes, is uh, is the um, Deer Meadow. Kind of like a subset of. I feel like Deer Meadows is too far away, though. I think if we looked at Firewalk with Me and we looked at uh, the book, I think it would be too far away. I don't think it was as close. And I think Cooper. He was getting a ride into town, though. Yeah, I. I, We don't know how long he was in the car. I don't know. Yeah. I. I yeah. I don't know. I feel like he's just moved to Twin Peaks. I feel like Mm. we're no longer near Deer Meadows anymore. Well, we saw the. So. He's at a park, and he's just drinking coffee and just enjoying the day. Yep. coffee from the double R. Yeah, and mom and this kid are playing. Um, yeah, they're kind of playing chase. Like, yeah. the, the little boy will go a little, like, you know, a few feet, and then she'll chase after him. And it's cute, and he's enjoying it. It's kind of like, 
just really relaxing, taking it on, and just yeah. like watching the the child. And in the Lynch parent. fashion, this is the calm before the storm. Yeah, he does this a lot. He does. He brings you in and makes you feel secure, and he makes you feel all warm inside. Yes. And then, like a blink of the eye, life is chaos mm. and scares you. Yeah. And this is what this is that scene. This is what it does. Um, the, you know, they're at the same. Um, intersection, intersection as in Firewalk fire with, with me. me. Right, yes. so where, where Laura and Leland are in the car together and Mike, uh, the one-armed man, kind of, he basically runs them off the road. Yeah. Well, so it's interesting, he runs, warning. Them off, he runs them off the road and at the same time, through this crossway, there's an old man and I think it might be his daughter are actually going crossing the street in the same intersection of the same crosswalk that we're gonna, the mother and the son are going to be in. Yeah. And Mike... Drives right around the four-way and almost runs them over, and then mm-hmm. comes back to where it's face to face with Leland, and they have a whole big exchange. But it is funny to have the same four-way be in this this scene that we're watching now here with the, the mom and son. Yeah, and it's very odd. I mean, everybody stop. The guy says to the mom, "Yeah, it's okay. We're, you can go." And the kid runs oh, out there. Like the guy, the car, the guy in the car. And is kind of Rick, like they're at a stop. Well, he, yeah, they're at yeah, a stop, stop sign. Yeah. They're at a stop sign, and there's all these cars behind them. Mm-hmm. And Richard isn't happy about waiting, and no. he he gets out of his lane. He's tweaked out. He's pissed off, and he just guns it. I didn't mention. I think the name of the drug is Sparkle. Oh, he's on Sparkle. Oh, uh, he's on Sparkle. All uh, right, Sparkle. Yeah. Yeah. Sparkle and twenty one. That's the new podcast. <laughs> That's the new drug of choice. Sparkle. <laughs> Sparkle. Um. Yeah, I mean that was a brutal scene. Like yeah, so he, he guns doesn't it stop and, at all. And the, and the mom plays some more and says, "Oh, you can run along and I'll chase after you." But the the son goes ahead and he gets run over and like and, it was and Richard does not stop. He just keeps keeps on going. He just runs him down. Yeah, he's an ass. And he's like, it's funny. He's blaming the kid too. He's like, I told you to get, get out, out of the way because <laughs> he's high and sparkle. Now I think Richard's gonna die because of this. He deserves to die. He deserves to die, huh? I think something's gonna happen to him. Oh, he's man. gonna get well, shot. We'll he's gonna. He is gonna screw over Red somehow, or prove to Red that he is not a kid, and it's gonna get him some trouble, and he's gonna get killed. Man, that's so, what I think. <coughs> Carl Road actually comes to the intersection, sees the mother in agony. I mean, she does a great, amazing performance by the yeah. mother. And you know, as a parent, I you know I'm a parent of of three children. I think that's sometimes your worst nightmare is to think that, like, you know, cars running over your kids. Like, you know, I, where I live, you know, yeah. you have a street, but it's not, like, a very busy street. Yeah, yeah. But you still always like, oh, are my kids okay? Even when I go in a parking lot, I kind of get worried about, like, crazy people driving and stuff. They're not paying like, attention. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, like, your worst thing to think that, like, out of your control that a car will come and hit your child. And it's like, oh, devastating. And you have Carl yeah. there. It's funny. I mean, people are very emotional. They're standing there and they're in shock. But you, it's Carl who actually walks over and looks her face to face. I don't know if they know each other or or not, but he cares enough to, like, be there with her. And what happens as he's going over to... Well, he sees a glowing gold... Uh, soul. Yeah, I believe it's the... I want to say it's the soul. child's soul. Leave. Spirit. Right. But he saw it. Yeah. So, which is, this is very odd. Yeah, I I think, I, I, I've i always sensed that Carl was somebody special. Like, even in Fire Walk Me, he says, you know, I've been places. I always thought that, like, there was something special about him. And mm. he had that uh, pole, electric pole. The electric pole from... Number six. Yes, because you had six and seven, and they showed the six. And um, in Fire Walk Me, it was, like, the two. Yes. And now we saw six. 
and I, and you hear the electricity and everything. And I think you and, might even hear the whooping sound. Yes, yes. So does that if, mean this soul's going to the the lodge? One of them, maybe. I mean, I sometimes always wonder if the lodges are like heaven and hell. Like, is do everybody? Does everybody end up there? Does everybody up end up in the light um, lodges? I don't know. You know, well, if you you know, Hawk does describe there's a white lodge and a black lodge, and it's the and that 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 very well could be. You know, we don't know. It was odd. This all was very odd. I don't know what to make out of it. It didn't bother right me. Now. I thought it, was, yeah. it felt very normal. It was very, <laughs> it felt very Twin Peakish. I don't know. Yeah. But it was, no, but it was, I mean, it what is something it, mo- for Carl, I mean, what is this, what does this mean? Yeah. I mean, me- he's a witness. I mean, so if you look at the secret history of Twin Peaks, he was abducted and he had a whole storyline. And then, so you do wonder if he's experienced supernatural stuff or, yeah. in the past. If we're, if we're, if we're using... Secret history of Twin Peaks is canon. It is weird when I see six and seven. I always because of the uh, um, Pixie song. I always think is uh, six is uh, hell and seven is heaven. Um, ah. But it's odd, you know. I, I've always, I don't know where I've heard of this, but I always I always heard, heard six was that you're not whole and seven is like I don't I always I don't know what it is. I've always heard well that would go around with yeah seven would be heaven and yeah. six would be hell and. Um. So yeah, I don't know. It's very weird. Very weird. And uh, maybe this happened before this, but we had the double R scene where we have Shelly and Heidi comes back. Yes, and Heidi's a little older. A little older, but she still giggles yes. like constantly. Everything's right. just giggling. At. <laughs> um. I and it would be it would be really awesome to have her on the show sometime and just have her giggle for yes. twenty minutes. There you go. That'd be wonderful. And there's this <laughs> woman. Uh, this woman who I guess she eats pie there all the time, and she's a. But Shelly says, um, best pie customer, customer ever. And I'm like, what about Cooper? Cooper will eat two whole pies. But like, he hasn't been know. around for 25 years. I know. But, <laughs> but if you're saying ever, that would you include 25 years ago with Cooper well, eating. Uh, nah, that's all I, I can know. think of. Like, how dare you, Shelly, say that she's the best customer for pie? Yeah, Shelly. Come Shelley, on. Come on. Cooper. <laughs> so that was a sweet little scene. Yes. But that actually goes into, so the customer then leaves... And I think she's probably right outside Double R, and she sees Richard drive off. Yes. So I, in some ways, she's probably the only one that witnessed who was the driver. You're right. And this could come into play later on because Richard pulls over, and he wipes the blood uh, off of the grill of his Ford. Yeah. And the Ford's not going anywhere. It, like, he, it, it kind of stalls or... Maybe yeah, runs out of what, gas. I don't or something. know what he's doing with it now. Yeah. But yeah, he's also high, so on Sparkle. So I don't even think he knows what he's doing. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're right. Maybe we'll come into play that the boy was hit by a truck. That woman saw the. This all could be little morsels of something bigger down the line. Mm. Definitely, Richard getting into trouble and being shot and killed because I think that's what's going to happen to him. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, so I had something else. So the actress who uh, who plays the mom of the child that dies. So here's my. I don't know if I ever shared this on the show, but I really thought she was going to turn out to be Donna. And she maybe oh. she and maybe she could still be, but I don't know why she looks more like Donna from Firewalk with Me to me. I don't think we need a Donna. So oh, far, are we back at that again? We don't need Donna. We don't need Donna. Donna has played her part. But here's the thing: we know that Warren Frost, uh, Doc Hayward, is in it. We know that at least I think both sisters are in it. So why wouldn't Donna be in it? You're right. I mean, maybe we're going to get a new Donna at some yeah. point. I was waiting for but... Carl and, and her to look at each other and then Carl to say, are you okay, Donna? 
And then, now this is my own fan fiction. Here. Oh my god! <laughs> no. and they they kiss afterwards. No, that's how I'm going. I was waiting for somebody to basically say, "Gotcha, Donna, Donna." Yeah, and maybe I, I think it was just it, like a mom. I think it, it was probably just... is was a random mom. Yeah, but you know, it, it could still happen next week that we could. It find didn't a... say in the credits. But that's what they're waiting for for next week. <laughs> maybe you're right, Ben. I, I mean, I this is know. this is like a theory. That's... It all could tie in. Yes, it could all tie in. You know what? In Lynchian fashion. Everything and nothing is up, is up for yeah anything. Right. You know, we don't know. Everything we say today will totally be wrong tomorrow. Yeah. And I still think about the scene from Firewalk with me with Leland and Laura, and they get into, like, a garage area, and Leland's freaking out and say, oh, that crazy man who just drove by, and he... You know, he bothered my daughter and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's just funny. <laughs> you like, you think you think when our man was crazy and disturbed, you have this guy, he, Richard, who actually just killed somebody. I but, know. But it's funny that, that this is happening in the same, 25 years later, this is the same intersection that these things are happening. Happening, yeah. Very, very weird. Very odd. Very odd stuff is happening. Coincidence. I can't make anything more of it than that, but it's just funny that this is the same space that these things happen. There's got to be a reason. Maybe. Probably. There could be a reason for all this. Um, shall we get into one of the uh, most poignant part of the show, Hawk? Yes, let's get into him. Now, Andy, a couple episodes before, says, I'm not finding anything Indian related in here, <laughs> Hawk. Right, so we're still, something is missing, and it's related to Cooper's case. And Margaret, the log lady, says, yeah. it has something to do with your heritage. Yes. Well... So Hawk goes to the bathroom, and he—I I, believe—he has the, uh, a coin, or he, he takes something out of his pocket. It's a coin. It has a, a Native American head now, on it. I'm sure, I should know what this is. Is it, is it an Indian nickel or some kind of? I thought there's an actual terminology for it. But yeah, yeah, and it falls. And he goes under the stall. Mm. So he goes to pick it up, and he is sort of like having an epiphany as he's doing it, and he turns around, and on the bottom of the door. Is and I I don't remember exactly what it said, but, had but it's like a, it's like a like Native American productions or it, it's something related to uh, his heritage. Native, his heritage, Native American. Yes. they make these stalls. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> then he looks at the door, and the door looks like it's been tampered with, like it's been ripped and then put back, and he just has this Cooper-like intuition mm. to. Rip the door off. <laughs> I love that Chad comes by and it's like, what are you doing? Yeah, freaking Chad. Nobody Truman. likes Chad. <laughs> no, but it's just like. Chad's dick. Yeah, he really <laughs> we'll, we'll learn later on <laughs> that Chad's there's dick. There's a lot of dicks on this show. It's, yeah. I mean, we're getting a lot of bad guys. Yeah. Like, there's a bad guy in the sheriff's station. There's a bad guy in, in, in here. And... You know, in Twin Peaks fashion, nothing is what it seems. And there's a lot of assholes everywhere, I guess. But ripping this door off was just like. He, he was just certain something was in there. He's mm. just like, and, you know, it's interesting because the door looked like it was tampered with. Because if you look at the other doors, they look perfectly sealed and painted over. Mm. Where this door literally had uh, the corner looked like it was pulled up and someone pushed it together. So he had this feeling that he's got to open it. Yeah. And what does he find? He finds a le- uh, piece of paper. right. It's Laura's diary, missing pages. Probably, right? People now on Reddit and other social media have blown up the photo of him holding the pieces of paper, and in the margin it says Annie. Mm, I saw that. And now 
Annie in Firewalk with me. She shows up and says, write this in your diary. Right, in Laura's bed, she just appears in the same clothing she was in from the uh, episode uh, 29. Yeah, she same. She says, you know, Cooper is stuck in the lodge. Write it up in your diary. So if these are the missing pages, how did they get there? That's the mystery. Because wouldn't the only other person who knew about these pages would have been, uh, what's his face that killed himself? I can't think of his name now. Oh, yeah, Harold. Harold. Sure. Well, on Twitter, TwinPeaky87 mentions that Philip Gerard, you know, he went to the bathroom stall. Like, uh-huh. you know, without, ke- without chemicals, he points. points. So it, was, it seems like he could have been in the same stall. Is it possible that he could have had those pages and put it in there? I don't know. I mean, no, it could no. be a stretch. Well, or just the fact that it, without chemical, I mean, the fact that he's. Okay. At that point, Laura's dead. Other things have happened. No, no, no. Yeah, but, but we still. What have, if those we pages still... were in there already? Oh yeah. You're... So I guess the other thing is, could Laura Palmer have put him in there herself? Because here's the thing: is that you know, in Firewalker, me. Here's the funniest thing: she already has given her diary to Harold at this point, and it, and she doesn't have that dream or whatever you want to call it with with Annie till after she's already given her diary. So how is she going to write it in her diary unless she writes it in her fake diary? Her. I but we wondering. know she doesn't write in the fake diary because right, Cooper would have saw that. Yeah, because he did. He right. They brought. They got that one. Yeah. Unless it was ripped out or something like that. So could she have written it down in paper and then? Good point. I'm thinking the pages could have been in there before. And here's the thing: is we still don't know for sure. But I mean, it does look like it was blown up. And I, I saw Annie as so, well. Oh, Annie or something. But Annie. it still makes perfect sense. Yeah. And here, you know, we've been waiting forever to say, are we going to find out what happened to Annie? Is Annie going to be a part of this? And it would be exciting to know that maybe she will in some way. My name is Annie. I've been with Dale and Laura. The good Dale is in the lodge. And he can't leave. Write it in your diary. The small stuff, Ben. I mean, the small little things this episode gave us. We got to see the the stoplight spark wood in 21. Yeah, that was a nice little touch. And did you notice the volume? It was like weird noises and stuff underneath it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was there's I thought there was a lot more music in there. And I think I know atmosphere. you Atmosphere. Yeah. But more, more, more sound, more music. And I feel like that's what we were talking about. As we get closer to Twin Peaks, we're getting a lot more of that. It's seeping in. Mm-hmm. It's uh, creeping in. And I think we're getting more and more. And I think you're right. I think by the end of this show, the last couple episodes could just be purely in the town. Mm-hmm. It all comes back to Twin Peaks. Yes. It's the force. Right. The return. You know, the return Twin Peaks. Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> it's magnetic. Yes. Everything goes back. Um, so we, when we go back to Sheriff Station, there's Chad, who's kind of like, he's like, I, w- I wouldn't be with Truman's wife. Like, why is he even hanging out with her? And then there's another uh, woman that's She's a cop. busting his balls. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a, there's a woman police officer who's saying, he's like, don't you know his story that, like, they had a son who was in war? This is interesting, too. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm going to mention something else. So there's another thing where we mentioned, we learned about a Linda there was a guy who was riding with Carl, and he mentions Linda. And as you remember, the giant, not the giant, mentions Richard and Linda. Mm-hmm. And, and, like, that's some kind of clue about them. Remember Richard, Richard and, and Linda. Linda. And so we have a Linda now that is was in a war, and the government finally got her a wheelchair. But we don't, we don't know much more about that than yep. that. But it's interesting. So we have a Linda, and we already have a Richard Horn. So there's Richard and Linda. Mm-hmm. But then we go back to Truman and his wife. They had a son who was in war. 
and he committed suicide. Yeah. And it, yeah, I mean, I'm sure through the stress and everything like that, but you have Chad who's laughing and making fun of them. It's like, oh. Yeah, he couldn't deal with it. Yeah, it's like, so he really is a jerk. I mean, so you're getting these jerks everywhere. And- yes, yeah. <laughs> so we, we learned that Chad, Chad is a dick. Um, and I think we already knew that. I mean, yeah. I think we knew that through the interaction between Andy and Lucy, and then when he, he seems like he's hanging out with Richard Horn, and it seems to be drug-related. Yeah, I, he is a bad cop. I mean, he is definitely using the system. Uh, he's using Bobby's camera system. Probably, right? He's to work, yeah. manipulating it or going, hey, I know where the cameras are, guys. We go mm. somewhere else. Right. So um, he's the inside guy who's kind of messing things up for, mm. the, for the sheriff's department. But that is part six, man. I can't wait for part seven. I can't believe we're already... S- Seven parts deep yeah. into this. Well, for me, my month has been made just seeing Diane, knowing that's Lord Dern. I was uh, very happy, very satisfied with that. What could top that in the next episode? What could top that? If we, we could part. get Cooper back. <laughs> that's not going to happen I next I, episode. I, but, I, I, again, I've said, yeah. Kyle is doing an amazing job of performance. I, there's parts where I laugh and I think it's funny, but there's other parts where like, come on, mm. give me Cooper. Give me the real Cooper. You know, I think... We have now, in the storyline, hit another day because we actually saw him uh, work a full day, go to go home, mm. and now it's a new day. So I feel like now that a day has passed or two, those keys have reached the Great Northern, maybe. Yes, Or let's close hope so. to it. Right. And we might be seeing um, Audrey. Uh, that's that's our theory, right? Our theory is Audrey is going to get the uh, key, and she's going to know that that was Cooper's room. Because she's the one that snuck in. Yes. I'm it's hoping. It's got to be. I would like that. She'd be the only one, and she works for the Great Northern. We right. know she still she, works there. We got to believe that. Right? We got to believe, believe it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's still poking holes in coffee cups. And uh, I, I think she's working there, and she's got young people doing the same things that she uh, was doing to her. Probably. And uh, have we talked much about it? Is Richard her son? You know, some I don't people say Jerry. Some people it could actually even be Ben. I think I'm leaning towards that's Audrey's son. I mean, it's unfortunate that she'd have such a bad son. You know what though? I don't hear. Here's a theory. It could be the theory is Audrey and, and uh, Mr. C. Mr. C. No, don't go in this direction. No. This is the theory people think online. I don't believe it. Mr. C. Mr. C. came back into town one last time to see Major Briggs. <laughs> Since he knew that Audrey had a thing for him, he took advantage of that situation. Ah, come on. He did a hit and run, left town. She had a bad seed. You didn't go there, did you? Yeah. No. I mean, I don't believe that theory. You know why? I believe Ben Horn, well, you know, in the original series... He had he had kids. Yep, from, he had Donna. He had Donna. So what's there to say? He but you know he around. respects women now. <laughs> yes, but for the beforehand he didn't. Uh, what's there to say he didn't have another love child with someone else? Sure, it's possible. Definitely possible. Yep. Um, I don't want to believe it's Audrey's. Yep. I think it's I think it's sort of like uh, a bait and switch. They're le- leading us to believe it could be with the smoking and the way he mm. the way he was introduced, but. I feel like it's going to be someone else. But sometimes if it quacks and walks like a duck, it's a duck. I don't know. Not Twin Peaks. Not Twin Peaks. So, yeah, the highlights for me for this episode were we're definitely seeing Donna. And then there's that that moving 
thing of the mother and child and seeing the loss of a child. It's like it's heart wrenching. It's yeah. it's so it's troubling. It's something that doesn't leave me. I'm still thinking about it a lot. Yeah, yeah, and it was a brutal scene. It was so it, yeah. And like I said, they they brought us into a false sense of uh, security mm. with. Was Carl watching them in the, the play park? And yeah. Fun, yeah, and David Lynch is known to do that a lot now. Right. I mean, and especially this season alone, this is the second time he's done it. Mm. Um, so every time I feel a false sense of security, I get scared. Something bad's gonna happen. Yes. Yeah. Um, so before we go, we do have. I posted right after the episode. I posted a photograph on our Facebook page. We're on Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Facebook, and man. The comments were awesome. I mean, theories abound and uh, just great conversation everyone's having, and I love it. I love it. We're going to continue this every week. Um, But I did want to read one. um, Last week I didn't get a chance to, so this week I'm going to. Someone wrote, Is the White Lodge helping Good Cooper correct the evil Dougie, um, the evil's Dougie... uh, did in the world so like dougie we would have to presume would be he's fooling around his wife with a prostitute he could been part of this whole you know his insurance schemes going so he can make more money or whatever he's gambling mm. now is this is this the uh the white lodge helping uh Cooper correct Dougie's wrongs? Yeah, I think it's more like the White Lodge is just helping Cooper because Mr. C cheated the system. Like, he, his time was 25 years or up, and you have to come back to the Black Lodge. And he's manipulating things by ha- manufacturing Dougie, and he's pl- he's playing the whole thing. And now they're like, okay, if you're going to cheat the system, we're going to cheat the system, and we're going to help out Cooper to make things right. And yeah. I, to me, that makes more sense, but, mm-hmm. I mean, it's a cool theory. Yeah. Um, also... This we didn't mention this. So in the original Twin Peaks, Andy is the one that figures out the map, and yes. nobody would listen to him. Right? Hey guys, it's a map. It's a map. <laughs> um, and they wrote Andy did solve the mystery indirectly by priming Hawk to look for Indians. And I right yet again, Andy is the idiot savant. I mean, I think yeah, but it wasn't <laughs> obviously it was, saying uh, your heritage. I mean, well, Margaret did. I mean, the log lady right. really said your heritage. But Andy was like, I can't find anything about Indians. Uh, Here is the biggie. Does Carl's appearance in this episode disprove the theory that the opening sequence of Firewalk with Me are actually Cooper's dream? Seems to me Carl is part of the real Twin Peaks world. I I'm gonna be I'm gonna play John Thorne. Okay. John Thorne did say that everything that happened in those half hour did happen in Firewalk with Me. Cooper was the one that went to the park and met Carl and Cooper is the one that did the investigation and it was in his dream that he reimagined everything as someone else as Chet Desmond as Chet Desmond, as Chet Desmond. so if John was here I'm sure John would say everything did happen, happen. it just it happened with Cooper in there and what really happened is Kyle McLaughlin was supposed to be in the whole movie and and so the original part was going to be Kyle doing the investigation and then he Kyle was like I don't want to do it and then he, and so they had to recast it, mm. and then he said, okay, I will do it for a certain amount of time and stuff. I so, think you answered that perfectly. Yeah. So, Luke, um, that, there's the answer to that one. I mean, I'm sure we can still make arguments back and forth why yes and no, but I think John yeah. would still say, hey, it's all happened 
but it happened with Cooper investigation. That, that's and then very it's true. Been, he couldn't. He, he he struggled with trying to figure out the mystery, and so he kept on dreaming, trying to figure it out in his head. He couldn't let it go. He mm. wrestled with with why he couldn't solve this case. And, and, and some are saying this whole Dougie stuff is like a dream or maybe a coma or something's happening where it's all happening in the mind, mm. and it's actually Cooper trying to get out of this. And the one-armed man could be saying, "Don't die," because. If you're in a coma and you don't get out of it, you'll die. Yeah. And maybe he's out on a table and they'll pull the plug if he doesn't get out of this coma. But that theory for me gets thrown out of the water because of the key. Jade has the key that was in her car. Mm-hmm. And when the guy says, a John must love this in your car, she goes, oh, Dougie. She didn't say, oh, Doug. Dougie, who's in a coma, it was all it was. It was said like, "Oh, Dougie, right. I, yeah, you know." So it, it's so hard. I love that theory that yeah. Cooper, that Dougie could be in a coma, and or Cooper could be in a coma, and this is him trying to right. get out. Yeah, but I don't. I don't want to. I can't. I, I, it's so. I can't it, do it, it. There's a balancing act of overthinking things. Like I agree. Yeah, it's a tough. It's a, it's a fine line. You almost get like I almost get like anxious. So many theories. Yeah. So we have an interview with Andreas, who does TV Peaks. Yes. And I think we're going to do this into a two parts. So we'll have part one this week, and part two we'll have of Andreas next week. So here's Andreas. We're on the phone with Andreas Husko. You've written the book TV Peaks. You've got a book I think you're working on, or at least an English version of your book. Yes, essentially it'll be sort of the, the Danish book, which is uh, roughly translated into English as the Art of Paradox will form a sort of foundation for the English book. It, it won't be an actual translation of it, but uh, the basic gist of it will be the same. But then I've done a lot of interview work that was never part of the Danish book. The Danish mm-hmm. book is a monograph about David Lynch, so there is absolutely no interview work in that. And uh, having talked with a lot of different people who've worked not only on Twin Peaks, but on a lot of different uh, productions, it, interview stuff will be intermixed with my analyses of his different productions. And there were a few productions in the Danish book that I didn't really delve that deep into for different reasons. But one reason was uh, a matter of length. I could only make it 20, uh, 200 pages. So mm. uh, this will be approximately 300 pages. And there will be analyses also of some of his lesser, well, not to you, lesser known works, <laughs> but to average readers like... Yes. Uh, on the air and hotel room and stuff yeah. like that. There won't be analyses of One Survivor Bubble and the Lemurians and stuff like mm. that. But <laughs> but <laughs> apart from those, you know, really fringe elements, it'll be all of it, it will be in there. At least all of his actual audiovisual productions mm. uh, that have actually seen fruition, not just uh, uh, at either, you know, script or idea level. So yeah. actually conceived stuff. Um, and then, but I'll dig into one saliva bubble, the script, and some of his other stuff on a different book that, that won't come out until next year. Joel Baco and I are still uh, working on it nice. in, in the first stages of the Mark Frost book. But so we've sort of given each other different kinds of homework. Mm. Um, read, we've read the script for One Saliva Bubble, and I've talked with Tony Krantz about 
these early never produced uh, scripts and stories that weren't even really conceived in, even at script level, like the Lemurians. We'll have those elements also in the Mark Frost book, which has played around with different potential titles and nothing is, uh, is certain at this point, but uh, Twin Peaks will form sort of a central point of departure in that book because I think whereas David Lynch's uh, body of work is so well known and so immense, even though there aren't that many productions, all of his productions almost are pretty famous. So Mark Frost has done some interesting stuff, but people know him mostly as forgotten twin mm. of Peaks, right? So that'll be our point of departure. And then we'll uh, delve into all of his work on Hill Street Blues and, and those lesser known productions that he's done trying to see how his stuff with David Lynch, how that resonates with other stuff that Mark Frost has done. Hopefully, and we won't be able to, I think, say exactly what is the Mark Frost part of Twin Peaks, but uh, hopefully going out on a limb, we'll be able to say a few words on what the Frostian part of Twin Peaks and, and their collaboration. You're so busy. I mean, I, and I'm so excited every once in a while you talk about on Facebook who you've been interviewing, and I'm, I'm, I can't wait to, to read your work. I mean, it's really exciting, everything you've been doing. And you, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago, the Cannes Film Festival, you got to go. Can you t share with us a little bit about your experience there? As you know, I'm part of the staff at, at 16 by 9, which is it's kind of a... Um, it's an actual international journal, and uh, and it's a peer-reviewed journal. So it it is a an, an a, I suppose a good scholarly journal in Denmark, but it's still a very small one. Mm. So uh, I had not thought that I could get accreditation for that. You know, as a writer of that journal, I just did. I just you know applied for accreditation at Cannes, uh, thinking that it was absolutely impossible. Uh, given that it's such a small journal and it's from such a small country, so uh, the, the amount of you know readers nothing compared to you know even lesser known American uh, journals or online magazines. But then a couple of months later, uh, after virtually all uh, the different parts of the Danish press had had uh, heard uh, that they were going to go to Cannes or if they were not going to go, sort of forgotten all about it because I hadn't heard anything. And then late March that I received news that, that I could go as part of the Danish press. You know, I applied there only to go to see Twin Peaks. <laughs> and then, <laughs> uh, so that's kind of strange, right? One thing is that Twin Peaks was the second show in, in the history of the Cannes Film Festival ever to be aired on the festival. Uh, mm. It's not a, you know, it's, a, it's sort of a prestigious film festival, as you know. Mm. And still... It's pretty conservative, so still at Cannes, they consider TV to be less important or less artistic as as compared to films. So the fact that the Top of the Lake, the new installment of that, and, and that Return of Twin Peaks both premiered at Cannes was, was pretty new then, right, and, and pretty strange. Mm. And so I went there only, to, uh, essentially only that, but then, of course, I, I did reviews of films too, and uh, given that Twin Peaks ended up being aired so late, at the Cannes Film Festival, it already premiered, you know, at Showtime and mm. around the world. Once I I got to see it at Cannes. So did you did you actually get to see it on Showtime first, or was your first viewing at Cannes? Yeah, I saw it on a I yeah. saw it via HBO, this uh, HBO Nordic, which is the Danish. Um, oh. uh, they they 
they are the Scandinavian outlet, I suppose. Uh-huh. They and they release it almost simultaneously. I think the idea is that they should re- release it simultaneously with uh, the American uh, release, but often there's kind of a two-hour delay or something like mm. it because. It's supposed to come out at around 3 a.m. every Monday morning, I think it is. And, oh. and usually I stay awake uh, <laughs> hoping to catch those episodes just before going to work. Uh, and wow. sometimes they won't come out until 5 a.m. So that's kind of uh, that's kind of stretching it in terms of, you know, being able to get to work. But yeah, I saw it on... Um, I saw it on on my computer before I I got to see it at at Cannes. Yeah. And you didn't get to go in the big theater? Not on the one where David Lynch was there. I would have loved to be there. Uh, Yeah, that was so impressive, though, to be able to see that standing ovation for... yeah. For for Twin Peaks and to see the the emotion of Lynch and how he felt about that and like yeah I mean I know you probably know more than me because it's historical but like 1992 we have Fire and Walk with Me and at least many people say it was booed yeah. at, at the at the cans so to have you know 25 yeah. years later to be able to have that standing ovation it, and it lasted several minutes I mean it That's lasted awesome. a long time it actually got to a point where Lynch was yeah. like he right. was like let's 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 go <laughs> <laughs> yeah yes I think he's um, like most humble people he will admit to I think actually having liked getting that standing ovation mm. for so long but uh, but uh, it might have been still kind of awkward yeah. uh, for five minutes or so having to stand there and uh, but he he and receive all that uh, uh, all those accolades uh, mm. you know uh, being so happy about his production I think um, it was well deserved and I suppose that some of the stories surrounding uh, the uh, airing of uh, of Buy a Walk with Me back in 1992, you know, might have been mythologized just a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, there were people who who weren't that happy uh, when the film came out, and we all know that. And mm-hmm. critics kind of just liked it uh, en masse when it came out, and and there were people who booed it at Cannes. But I mean. Uh, this was my first uh, ever uh, time at Cannes, so I wouldn't know what the normal procedure is, but mm. there are films, you know, there are many examples of, of people booing yeah, uh, yeah. at Cannes, uh, and it's not like everyone in the, in the theater does it, mm. uh, but there were people who booed when Sofia Coppola got the prize for, or got the award for best uh, director, and mm. uh, because uh, they kind of thought of her new film, The Beguiled, as a, as a slightly uh, reactionary or not that groundbreaking film, and um, there were people who booed because uh, stuff was shown in the, the incorrect format and stuff like that. So, uh, I mean, or aspect ratio. So, I'm not sure that. Um, that it was that intense a denial of his work back in 1992. But the mythological story is a great one. It's a story not only of a return, but it's a story of a, of sort of, of of a rejuvenation or of a coming or of an actual comeback, right? Because mm. ten years ago that he produced his last, you know, major production, an Inland Empire, I think was a very interesting film, but. Now he's back in what seems to be his best shape, uh, and uh, he's able to get not 34 million uh, Americans to watch it, perhaps, but still a relatively broad audience to watch something that I think, you know, people just wouldn't have watched. 
hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Blue Rose magazine just came out, and you have an interview with Mark Frost. I mean, that was wonderful that you got to talk with him, and, and you put it in the, uh, the Blue Rose magazine. That was really cool. Yes, I was happy that they wanted to include that interview because, uh, you know, uh, I did it um, for a sound venue, but they knew that was the short version of it. Uh, and they wouldn't want the, the full interview. It's a, it's a, a major Danish publication, but it's still it's sort of a, a pop cultural magazine, and and it's not meant for everyone. So, uh, or it's meant for a broad audience. Sorry, and, and Mark Frost isn't for everyone. So, even though Twin Peaks is a huge phenomenon, it's still kind of niche like as compared to you know whatever else they write about. Right? <laughs> so uh, they wanted just a small version of that, uh, and it, of course in Danish. So. Um, I was allowed to, uh, by the Danish press secretary, to make an American version of it, find an English publication for it. And then I asked John and Scott Ryan whether they wanted it, and, and they said that they wanted it. So that's, that was, of course, nice for me. I mean, talking with Mark Frost was very enlightening to me. I've heard people say that uh, some people, you know, vehemently dislike his book. Well, yeah. I like his book. I, I I really like his book. Me too. Uh, and you know, um, and you know more than 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 I do, or than than anyone else, I suppose, uh, about all of these uh, debates or sometimes heated discussions about mm-hmm. um, so-called discrepancies or inconsistencies. And I don't know. Maybe there are inconsistencies, but then... I feel like he's doing it on purpose, though. I mean, I think we're definitely going to learn more when the next book comes out uh, at the end of the year. Yeah. 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 That's that's what he says. And uh, I don't know... Perhaps I'm naive, but I tend to I tend to believe him. Mm. I mean, uh, he was pretty convincing, and I, perhaps there are elements that he wouldn't be able to remember. But I yeah. I can't believe that he would sit down and write a book without actually rewatching the show or without knowing essentially what happens in the show. Right. Yeah. I can't meant, yeah. I can't think that he would write a 300 page book and not mention Annie Blackburn as a mistake. Yes. I mean, or to mention that uh, the winner of the Twin Pe- Miss Twin Peaks pageant uh, was Lana Budding Milford or whatever. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 stuff yeah. like that. Right. Those are discrepancies or inconsistencies that would not come into that book per accident. I don't think. Yeah. Andreas, yeah. so, I'm so glad you so, bring, bring that yeah. up, though. I'm so glad you bring it up because, like, yeah, you read you read the book and you see, like, oh, how is he getting all this stuff wrong? And then all of a sudden, our, you know, the series is out now, the new series, The Return of Twin Peaks, and you and these episodes, they, they definitely seem to be making references to the original series. And so it's funny about Lynch and yeah. Frost are saying, oh, no, no, we didn't go back to the, we didn't read, we didn't watch the old series. But it seems clear when we're watching the series, either they do have a good memory or they did rewatch it. And so I do feel like the book was done on purpose. Thanks, Andreas, for being on today's show. Part two of that interview will be on next week, so please join us. And you can follow us at Twin Peaks Unwrapped on Twitter. How's Twitter going, Ben? Twitter is blowing up. We have so many people with so many theories. I mean, I think I'm sharing a lot on today's show from what people are saying on Twitter. So I love all the community and what they have to say about the show. They are amazing. Yeah. And on Facebook, we're almost reaching 800 likes. Awesome. So please like us on Facebook. Be part of our conversation we're having every week on there, and I'll read some of the stuff on the show. You can email us at TwinPeaksUnwrapped at gmail.com. We, you can find us on Google Play. You can please rate and subscribe and give us a, a comment on iTunes. 
Yeah, give us those five stars and we really could use those comments because that's how other people discover our show. And thank you to everyone who's done that already. Yes. And we're on Stitcher as well. You can find us on Stitcher. And you can always go to TwinPeaksUnwrapped.com and all our shows are there as well. Yeah. So I guess um, we'll see you next week. See you next week. So what do we got? Packet of new Walker's ruffles. Yeah, I'll hold. Ruffles are ridged potato crisps. The actual crisp itself shaped into lots of little peaks. Yeah, I'm still here. And if I'm right, these ridges hold in a lot more flavor and make ruffles extra crunchy. Yeah, good work, Matt. I was right. These ruffles are darn fine crisps. Ruffles, more ridges, more taste.